Welcome, everyone, to Surviving Academia, a podcast about the wild world of the Academy. Each episode, we talk about trying to make it work, 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 and share self-care techniques to make every day a little bit more survivable. <laughs> that was too funny. I'm sorry. We're the didactic trio. I'm Zach. I'm an adjunct. I am Rachel. I'm a postdoc with the most doc. And I'm Kristen. I'm still finishing my PhD. That I'm... By a postdoc with the most doc, that implies I have the most doctorates, but I don't. I have an equal amount of doctorates to, most to Zach people. and most yeah. people who have doctorates. But not Kristen. But not Kristen. We both we're, have t- we're tied for the most docs in, in the room. Okay. I'm a postdoc tied for the most docs. Our first advertiser, who is fake, is brought to you by Netflix. And the very helpful bot that asks you, after you've been listening or watching for 10 hours, are you still watching? Uh, yeah. Of course we are. We're academics. Of course we're still watching. Yeah. I'm still watching. Yeah, it's shameful, but, like, it doesn't need to tell me. I've only watched three and a half episodes of Orange is the Black, okay, guys? I just get sassed by technology. It's ridiculous. Thanks for, uh, riffing real hard on our, uh. Our fake sponsor. Sorry. <laughs> womp, womp. Give us money to Netflix and we'll be nicer. Yeah. Uh, Hulu, if you want to sponsor, we'll promise we'll be nicer to you. <laughs> yeah. Hulu doesn't ask rude questions like that. No. Hulu just lets you binge, baby. Yeah. Like, seriously, I don't think they have a rude question. No. No. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> speaking of the various medias, you could check us out on social media. Uh, find us at Surviving Academia Podcast on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Surviving PhD and Instagram at Surviving Academia, or you could even go to survivingacademiapodcast.com. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many of your other favorite podcasting uh, devices and applications. So please like and subscribe to hear more from us, the Didactic Trio. And if you like us, consider writing to us uh, and uh, giving us suggestions, comments, love notes, uh, love notes, questions. Whatever you want. We'd Give us some feedback. We'd like we'd like to have more interactive segments on the show. Awesome. Well, okay, guys. Today we are going to talk about everyone's favorite topic, work-life balance. <clears throat> Does it exist? Am I good at it? Will I ever conquer my work-life balance? Those are some things I think of all the time. Is this rhetorical? Yes, yes, no, no. <laughs> yes, yeah. no, no. It could be whatever you want to be, Kristen. We're all navigating our own work-life balance. So I think we had mentioned this briefly on our anxiety episode that we probably needed to come back to this uh, because it's definitely a co- topic of conversation colloquially among academics, but also there's been quite a bit of research on how academics balance that juxtaposition of work and life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Zach, you've said something really interesting before of how like the academic life and wor- of work doesn't really end and that's something that I've found. Yeah, for many of us, our work is our life. And for a lot of us, our research is so intensely personal that, you know, the, the topic that we pick is something we just can't leave when mm-hmm. we leave our nine-to-five job, a nine-to-five job or something. Yeah, and that's definitely something that has been picked up uh, through various studies, um, including in my own dissertation research. For my dissertation, I studied the experiences of women academics in my discipline, Um, And one of the things that was pretty salient was this idea that the work 
it's really hard to make a line between work and life because the work doesn't really stop. Even with flexible hours, the work of an academic doesn't change. It just, it doesn't, well, it doesn't end. It just moves around. Right? Yeah. It goes to a coffee shop. Yeah. <laughs> and it works at night after your children have gone to sleep or your spouse has gone on to other things or you know it, it goes on the weekends um it's how we are prioritizing our time but it gets really really hard to navigate that so like every good academic i started with a quick google search just to see kind of what people were talking about because it's one thing to talk about these studies we've done in academic journals it's another thing to see what is out there for people to readily access on the internet and i came up with a couple of things um i found a couple of articles through the professor is in a resource that I really love um, talking about, you know, it's def well, that may really see that this is something that academics are wanting to hear more about wanting to see how others are handling it, etc. So there's a couple of great articles that we're going to share in the show blog for this one uh, about that. Um, there was also a great article that I saw in the guardian uh, higher ed. Um, and it said uh, the, the title of the article is The Superwoman Fallacy, What It Really Takes to Be an Academic and a Parent, and this idea that there is really no such thing as work-life balance. And the author breaks it down in various ways from her own personal experience in the ways that she's not a superwoman because, like, the this is my experience. Like, I travel a lot. I live near friends and families. I work hard. You know, this idea... Yeah, there's no way to do it all. You have to, something has to drop at some point. And yeah. so it's, I feel like a lot of the academic life is just a sort of controlled fall where you just have to, have to plan what you're going to let fall. Some would call that flying, Zach. Have you not watched Toy Story? <laughs> it's, it's falling with style. <laughs> falling, falling, but looking smart while you're doing it. But I think one of the major trends that I've seen is that it's really hard to define what work-life balance is because for every single person, it is going to look different based off of your personal life and what your work life entails. And that also likely changes based off of the kind of academic position you have, whether you are at a research intensive university or a teaching intensive university or a graduate student or in a researcher position where you don't have the teaching requirements at all, right? Or NTT and adjunct, right? Those, it all looks different. Um, but I think the most amusing thing I found was a Forbes article called Six Tips for Better Work-Life Balance. I can't wait. Oh, bring it on. And these were their tips. Number one, let go of perfectionism. What? Number two, <laughs> unplug. Number three, exercise and meditate. Okay, I'll give them that. Number four, limit time-wasting activities and people. (laughs) Shoot, should I be here recording a podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. Number five, change the structure of your life. Okay, easy peas. And number six, start small, build from there. What does that even mean? This is like like a step one, you know... Live your dreams. Step two, question mark. Step three, success. Yeah. Yeah, I found that these It's like, how how do you, like, how do you just do those things? Each one of them is its own sort of, like, conscious effort Mm -hmm. to make a slight improvement. Yeah, and I mean, I find 
as a modern academic, I found it really hard to unplug because so much of what I do is on or dealing with technology, right? I am researching using technology. I am writing using technology. I am recording notes using technology. And so unplugging, even when I want to unplug, I'm still thinking, I'm still keeping technology around me because when I'm not researching, I'm, you know, might be on my phone looking at a couple things or... I do like the time limiting, limiting time wasting activities and people though, but that's also, and rechanging the structure. Those are sometimes really hard, right? Changing the structure of your life. You can't really necessarily do that. We just talked about how the academic lifestyle has a very weird nebulous structure. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the technology thing too. Um, that yeah, so much of what I have needed to do throughout my career. And I, I have taught online as an adjunct for several different schools. So like the idea of unplugging is just, you know, I do it when I can. Mm-hmm. It's a privilege. It's a, it's a, it's a bonus. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you'll find a lot of academics that really enjoy the actual printed paper books instead of reading on a tablet. Well, one, because we can make notes, but two, because so much of us spend so much time staring at a screen that if we have to do reading, and we can do it on a printed page. Mm-hmm. Uh, we elect to, to do that. Now, one of the things that stood out to me in the research on work-life balance um, was that how women, people of color, and people who may identify in the LGBTQ communities in within academia experience work-life balance. There's a lot on how um, women uh, and those with parental responsibilities often struggle with work-life balance because of the idea that you have to devote this much time to your academic profession, but you're also being the number one caretaker at home. And even when that may not be the reality in your situation, there we still have these like societal expectations of women being the the primary um, child uh, rearer as well as child bearer, right? And then within academia, we have things like emotional labor that is not always counted into tenure clocks and things like promotion and support for students that is is done at overwhelmingly by um, people who don't necessarily identify as white cisgendered men. The white cisgendered man has something to say. Go ahead, Zach. Sorry. No, and this is something I've heard from a lot of colleagues too, that um, there's a lot of that emotional labor of mentoring people that doesn't get recorded on the on the track to tenure or the track to uh, promotion or keeping your job uh, that that falls onto women because they're stereotyped as being more caring and nurturing that falls onto people of color because they're often you know a minority at whatever institution they're at and so other students of color see someone who is has a similar background to them or looks like them and immediately uh, will will think of them in, of, in terms of mentorship opportunities and same with the life experiences of LGBTQ folks mm-hmm. uh, that they disproportionately get called upon to do that sort of informal mentoring uh, workload that's not part of the, the teaching research and service that's formally recorded. Yeah, so I've taught sociology of gender for a number of years and it seems like every time I teach, you know, it stirs up a lot of, you know, questions about you know people's gender identity but also like we get into we talk about sexual assault and things like that and so I know from experience that you know in any given semester you know I might be filling out more title nine sort of um recommendations or um 
getting students in touch with counseling services way more than my male like male colleagues will and we'll even have talks like that like they'll a lot of times uh students will feel more comfortable talking to a woman about those sort of things than they would ever a man um there's been some research like Acklesburg et al um they in their study really call for a change in policy to kind of help the uh women and people of color um be more successful navigating this work-life balance based off of things, uh, expectations in the academy, stuff like that. Um, and then one of my uh, favorite articles by Margaret Sully, she talks about uh, academic fathers and how when men start to step into that very gendered uh, role, gendered as woman role of being a parent, um, they also then struggle with some of the same kind of um, gendered aspects of work-life balance in the academy so and um and that the academy doesn't necessarily look favorably upon that kind of um labor and so when you have people who are doing that labor on top of the labor of their academic job of course it can't make work-life balance easy yeah and i i mean i don't think the academy plays well with personal lives period Mm -hmm. so when you have a personal obligation that is a sort of a gendered expectation like parenting you know that's a a way that the the academy is sort of you know not gender neutral it's 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 gender discriminatory because it pretends to be gender neutral while ignoring the gendered work of uh of you know whatever percentage of of the people that work there well i think i think you brought up a really good point zach that you know the academy doesn't really look favorably upon people having personal lives right Mm -hmm. because we are expected to be hard workers who produce and we are producing and being required to produce more and do more and more labor in shrinking budgets in shrinking departments right and so even then it becomes more and more difficult to balance work and life because of the fact that workloads everywhere are going up. Right. And I, I know for me, well, I'd love to know more about for you guys before I talk about me. Uh, w- tell me about your work life balance. Uh, what do you bright to prioritize and does it work if it doesn't? Why? You know, I'm kind of curious because I don't personally think I have very good work life balance. So being an academic for me, I feel like is like juggling sand. It, um, <laughs> I like that. It never, you know, this work-life balancing is really difficult for me to manage. I feel like I've had to have some pretty serious heart-to-hearts with people in my life to kind of explain to them in ways that I'm not really sure. I know other academics have the same demands, but I'm not really sure I would have to. Ex- I, I think I have to explain things more than if I would be a male colleague, for, mm-hmm. for instance. So, you know, there's this idea that academics, you know, we set our own schedule. Um, we can work pretty much whenever we want, but people sort of forget that it's like a budget, right? So your time, you only have so much time and you can only devote, you know, a little bit here and there. And as time goes on, of course, it's not going to take, it's not going to ruin my budget to have coffee with you one day. But if I keep doing that every single day, that like, bust my budget right like mm-hmm. it it's not sustainable um to keep up the level of work that i want and so it's really difficult i think for people to understand 
that I have to prioritize my time. And it seems horrible, but I, I've tried to develop really good time management skills where I've literally blocked and made chunks of my time and even put time of like, you know, sitting on the couch and watching TV. I've like had to budget that myself into my schedule because otherwise it's like the first sort of things to go. My sleep will go. I'll, um, not, you know, do food prep, that sort of thing. I won't exercise. So I have to budget all of that in and that's helpful. But at the same time, I feel like this is something I constantly struggle with. Now I have a question for that. Sure. Is that budgeting or is that balance? Um, I guess it's balance. It doesn't feel like balance to me, partly because I'm, I'm the type of person that believe it or not, I need people kind of wear me out. So I do feel like I need large chunks of time where I'm just free to kind of not do things. So I already feel like I over obligate because that's another thing too. Like we were talking about earlier is that if a female colleague reaches out and asks me for coffee, if a new graduate student, you know, asks if I can help do something, if, if somebody, um, asks if I can sit for this committee and I find it important, it's, it's hard to say no to those things. Mm-hmm. So Zachary, what about you? Uh, for me, I think my personal life has repeatedly threatened to take over my work life. <laughs> You're so popular. <laughs> threatened. Well, that I, threatened to take it over. I mean, yeah, part of it's being an extrovert and just going out and, and needing to be around people, but also a lot of my sort of uh, extracurricular activities were stuff that I sort of got engaged in to try and complement my research. So I, I'm on a city commission. I'm on a, um, was, did, did the leader, was the leader of a, a student group, uh, the, the labor union, uh, mm-hmm. the graduate student labor union, which all sort of, you know, play into my research on political sociology. Uh, but at the same time, you know, the research should take priority. Mm-hmm. Um, the teaching should take priority and uh, sleep should also occur. And uh, I think the last of those was the first to go uh, at, at many points uh, because I just the demands of, of, you know, holding leadership positions in too many organizations uh, and the demands of trying to get my dissertation done didn't didn't want to cooperate with each other. Mm-hmm. No, I can definitely relate to that and the idea that sleep goes first. Um, it's that's something I've really started to try to prioritize. Sometimes it slips. Sometimes I get better at it. But it doesn't mean that sometimes I ha- I just need to like okay I need to cut and run and I need to go to bed, no matter what's going on. I'm like oh I want to finish this show or I want to finish this chapter. Or I want to finish this thought of what I'm writing, but he's kind of got to put an end to it. That's kind of what I have to do with sleep. And that's difficult, too, if you're in a department that has colleagues that go out at night or things that are scheduled because Mm -hmm. it's just assumed that everybody's done for the day and you've got a department culture where people are going out all the time. That's also really difficult to manage as well. Oh, yeah, it is. It absolutely is because you want to also, you know, you want to be social or, or you don't. It's over to you. You want to have that option. You want to have that option, right? I know for me, if you would have asked me before I 
did all of the data analysis for my dissertation, I would have been like, yes, work-life balance is a total thing. You can have it. It can balance. But I have to say, after hearing the stories of all of the women I interviewed, I don't actually think that balance is possible in the academy. Well, what? how do you operationalize that? How, what is a ideal work-life balance? What does it look like to have a balanced work and personal life? See, I don't know. I would say, I, ideally, I would say it means fulfillment in both spheres at the same time. But I don't actually think that's possible. I Because I think no matter what you had do, you have to sacrifice something in both spheres in order to be somewhat happy in each do you, one. Do you think part of that too, though, like for women, especially like this idea of work-life balance not being achieved is you're somewhat bucking convention. And so in order to do that in some ways, you have to do what is untypical for women to do. So for instance, like I'm a single childless woman who is in academics and I am fine with, you know, spending a majority amount of time, you know, working on my work. But then I get around other people who feel like it's self. I've been told I'm selfish. I've been told, um, you know, that I've got all the time in the world. And so I'm not prioritizing some of these things that other people want me to do. And that's problematic for them. So part of, my work life balance is also like kind of fighting these stupid little battles that come up all the time of people who are thinking, no, you should devote more time towards finding a partner. You should devote more time towards, you know, assisting family where you can. And I feel like I run into that a lot. It's more like convincing other people that how I prioritize my time is legitimate. No, I, I, I agree. I think that there is a part of it I mean, we are socialized into a culture that says these are the roles that we follow. And there is a part of me that very much wants to be the person who has dinner on the table, right, mm-hmm. at night. Oh, I love cooking. I wish I could do more of it. <laughs> yeah. I, when, when my fiancé gets home, I would love to have dinner cooked. I would love to have the house clean, all of these things. And I think I've told you guys before, it was a very real conversation. It was hard for me in those last couple months finishing the dissertation where I had to say, I can't do these things. You have to carry all of the load as far as like cleaning, cooking, pretty much caring for me as I was the last bit there. And that was really hard for me. It was much harder for me than it was for him because he was just like, okay, I'll do the laundry. I'll clean. I'll cook. I'll do this. Well, that's a good but partner it was, right there. <laughs> it was. And I'm so thankful for him, but it was hard for me to give up those. Cause I think that there's definitely a part of me that is socialized to want to be the perfect partner mm-hmm. in a sense of, you know, making sure our home is, um, perfect and pristine and you know there's freshly baked bread and all of these things but i also want to be a successful academic next time we record i hope there will be freshly baked bread who knows i'm just i'm just kidding please i'm well i've never actually made bread but i'm really good at scones oh okay scones next time (laughs) okay but uh, yeah i think speaking to the like socialization of what life should include i think is really important because i am pretty comfortable with a level of, of dirt and clutter in my house that I think you're probably uncomfortable no with. No way. No way. Oh. No way, Zach. <laughs> uh, Did I make you lose all train of thought yeah, yeah, with your dirt I and have clutter? A I didn't have a follow-up to that. Uh, I was going to ask, uh, at some point, 
is there any time of day where you don't return email? I really, really try to not do email at all on Sundays. And it's not because of a religious affiliation or anything like that. It is just because I literally need one day to not respond to your emails. Um, And I try not to do Saturdays as well. This does have an exception when I'm teaching an online class Mm -hmm. where there is uh, an expectation of a more expedited return on emails. But I try. I'm not always good at it. I tend to shut everything down at 7.30 p.m., no matter what. So if I'm working on a project or if I'm, you know, checking emails, even if it's doing stupid stuff while I'm watching TV, I I tend to turn everything off at 7.30 p.m. And do what from then until bed? Whatever I want. Netflix. Oh, nice. No, I try to like... Are you still watching? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Bring it full circle. Netflix. (laughs) Um, No, I try to like take some time. I think I said in a previous episode that i i try to read um a novel i try to wind down for for bed i try to like you know take out my dog and spend time with my cat and just try to wind down get away from screens that sort of thing Mm -hmm. because if i work right up until i go to sleep i almost will like wake up and like want to type or do stuff so for me it's like that seems like a good cutoff time when my mind is already um kind of winding down anyway and so i i think my friends around here know that if you want that's a good time to chat with me that's a good time if you want to call i don't i'm not a person who stays out very late but like i'm more likely to you know hang out or stop by someone's house around seven ish stay for an hour or whatever to catch up than i am any other time it sounds like you actually have pretty good quote-unquote balance well i think it's easy again because i'm I am a single childless woman who mm-hmm. um, I do feel like I have very supportive friends and um, a pretty supportive family in terms of my time. So I guess it's not as big of a deal. I think there's been times when I've been in relationships where it has been much harder for me to manage. And I know Zach and I love to talk about relationships in graduate school all the time. Um, future episode. Total future episode. <laughs> but I, to me, that is really overwhelming. And I don't do a very good job of dating in, in you know, grad school or whatever. Whereas Zach yeah, is Yeah, here's much an example of how my personal life threatens to overwhelm my work life over and over. Is I've, dating. I've dated quite a bit in graduate school. Yeah. But I always want to hear what's going on with Zach's love life. <laughs> live, live vicariously. <laughs> Oh, I want to hear all the juicy details. Oh, future episode. We're like years mm. in at this point. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I would love to hear maybe what listeners consider work-life balance is, whether or not they have it, whether or not it's possible. Um, so if you guys want to ever want to write in to us, feel free to do so, because this is one of the things that I, I think about almost on a daily basis of how I'm balancing my life. But yes, we'd love to hear from you. So this episode is brought to you by that adorable, green, fresh, precious little office plant that you just got on your last trip walking around the grocery store. You wanted to bring a little bit of nature indoors. You wanted to bring a little greenery and happiness into your life. Here you've put that plant in the sunniest of all of the tiny windows in your office, and you're just going to love it by watering it every day. But unfortunately, that little office plant... It's probably going to die, but you did everything you could. Office plant, because we all know right now it's dead.
hey, I kept an office plant alive for three years. See, I really felt bad recording that one because I'm a really good plant mom. Look at all my plants. So I yeah. bought a little plant like of seeds, <laughs> but I have yet to actually like water it. And st- no, it hasn't started. We should like cultivate that. It thing, has not baby been cultivated. Girl. Oh, I love it. Hey, I got a question. Yeah. So is the office plant the same as like people who are doing research on plants? Or do plant scientists have their own office plants in addition to their research plants? Well, I wonder if it feels like work. <laughs> That'd be really bad work-life balance. Yeah. <laughs> so for this week's self-care segment, uh, somehow, and I don't know how this happened, but no we idea. allowed Rachel to talk us into, what time are we up, Zach? 5 a.m. That's right. 5 a.m. No, we were there at 5 a.m. I'm sorry. I got up at 4.30. 4.30. For sure. It's like my mind has already like blocked it out. But apparently Rachel takes a leisurely stroll at 5 a.m. And Zach and I agreed to tag along. And so we're excited to let you hear about what happens at 5 a.m. <laughs> Well, hi everyone. For our self-care segment for this episode, I asked nicely, slash forced, Zach and Kristen to wake up before the sun to go on a sunrise walk with me. Let's just remind everyone that self-care is a relative term because the sun is not even out. Okay, well, you guys said that you'd try my self-care activity, and morning walks are my self-care activity. So, I, almost every morning, I take a morning walk around a local nature preserve, and it's really good for, you know, clearing the head, and sometimes I'm with a friend, sometimes I listen to an audiobook, and it's just really lovely. And you find stuff on the trail, so you find snails and crawdads sometimes, and I feel like sun. this would be much lovelier if the sun were actually up. Okay, well the sun is coming up. Look at the look at this look at the sky up there. I don't see no, it. There's some inklings. It. There's some inklings. <laughs> like every... I just want to mention we are good friends. Because Rachel said, meet us at 5 a.m. <laughs> we're like, uh okay. okay. Like every car I pass getting here, I was like, why why are you awake? Go home. Did you agree to do something with Rachel? 5 a.m.? <laughs> okay, well, not everyone has the same schedule, so maybe they like getting up early. Oh, my God. I, I do, I have used walking as self-care quite a bit, um, but it's been, you know, I, I don't have any problems sweating, so, you know, we're doing this in the summer, uh, and I would be fine doing it at, like, 7 p.m. Yeah. Or even 10 a.m., Yep. Yeah. Well, I have an early work start usually every day. And so I I try to get my walk in before. But this getting up early really started during my dissertation. Because I realized that the only way I was going to get it done is if I sacrificed my mornings and devoted them to writing. So I started getting up every day at 4.30 a.m., and getting to a local coffee shop when they opened at 6 o'clock in the morning and writing for three hours before I had to head to my campus job while I was a grad student. And uh, I decided to... What? (laughs) (laughs) And I decided to continue that by a 
adopting walking into my routine. But when does your campus job start now? 8 a.m. So we could have done this at 6 Except or for, 7. No, because I have a routine where after I walk, I go home and I shower and I drink coffee and eat breakfast and get ready for the day. All right. Wow. Yeah. I, like last night before I went to sleep, I was like, okay, just be a, be a good sport about this. I will buy you a bagel afterwards. And now, like, as I was driving over, I'm like, I don't even want a bagel right now. I don't even want to be awake right now. Well, I'm curious. How do you guys feel? <laughs> <laughs> Tell, yeah. How, how do you really feel? Well, I used to live, uh, as part of my research, I lived on a commune for a year. And I woke up with the birds every morning. And the birds woke up with the sun. So I never got up this early. <laughs> I um, would. I just want to say, nice I'm, insects. I'm not a farmer, so I don't need to be up at this hour. I would walk in the morning, but this is like uh, a stupid early hour for me. Okay. So, what time in the morning would you walk? Like seven, six seven. or seven. I like am kind of freaked out that it's so dark. Like I wouldn't do this by myself because there's like literally no one else out here, and the fact that I have to have a flashlight is like this is like on another level for me. But I would do it later in the morning. Can't even finish sentences right now. Well, for this early, you guys seem uh, relatively awake. Well, I, I've already had my cereal, so that helps. What if we come across someone? Then we'll say howdy, like how you And they'll do. be like, what are you doing? They're going to, why would they say, what are you doing? They're also out here at 5 o'clock. With a day. mic? <laughs> I, you know, I just love, you know, I just love to record my morning walk in case something inspiration hits. You just never know. You just never know. I actually get a lot of thinking done, a lot of planning for the day when I'm out here. And when I come out with a friend, like, we get, you know, some good conversation. We do things like talk through our goals for the day and for the week and for our research and such. And so, it's kind of like the fair, my favorite part of my day now that I've gotten used to it. I know that sounds really weird. I imagine it would take some getting used to it. <laughs> I'm also that's, naturally that's nice a morning person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm naturally a morning person, so that does help. Yeah, but we're still in the middle of the night. No, it's not. <laughs> Look, the sun's coming up over there. It, <laughs> no you sun. are imagining things. No, well, I'm not imagining it, but the sky is lighter. <laughs> I don't even... Zach and I will take a selfie without the flash on. <laughs> See what you get, which is just dark. <laughs> okay, guys. So we finished the little loop. Um, of the two loops there are the nature preserve and I am feeling awesome and super awake and I'm so excited how are you guys feeling not anymore awake no. definitely grumpier gonna go right back to bed grumpier but you guys both seem pretty happy while you're walking I am tired my brain hurts okay going to bed I mean I Good like night. I Good like, night world yeah, <laughs> I like walking but I like getting rest before and after this is, this is too early. Okay, okay. Sorry, I can't say anything more creative and funny about that. Would you do this again, though? No. No. 
I would do this. I would do this at seven a.m. Okay. Uh, Five a.m. Yeah. Okay. Seven. Okay. Well, that's the verdict. One yes, two no's. But Rachel, <laughs> ten out of ten, would totally approve. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so yes, I had you go on a walk with me before the sun came up. And as Zach pointed out, before the birds were even awake. Uh, so I want to know what, what did you guys think? Uh, I like walks. I don't like to get up that early. Yeah, that was so it seemed absurdly. It was still dark. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. we saw a bat fly across the we sky. Did. We did. <laughs> Like, a like obnoxiously early. Like, I can't imagine. It's just a little bit too early for me. In fact, I think if, like, you guys weren't there, I don't even think I would have gone and done it because it's a, it just is scary for me a little bit. The park wasn't technically open. Yeah. Shh. We were rule breaking. No. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we were technically rule breaking. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I, I would do it many, many, many times over. And, in fact, I will plan. I love going on long walks great for conversations great for uh you know sitting with my own thoughts in a, in a comforting way uh, i think i talked er- earlier in the episode about um no this was an earlier episode uh, about like my mind gets most active and i feel most anxious right before going to bed when i'm laying down doing nothing but if i'm you know stuck with those thoughts and have my mind processing while i'm walking it's actually very comforting so mm-hmm. I, I enjoy that a lot but again, getting up at four thirty in in the morning. Yeah, it's like the middle it's of my night. Breaker. So, I really enjoyed it. I think I would just like to fast forward a few hours, <laughs> and I would have enjoyed it a little bit more. Well, I have to say, uh, you guys were troopers, and I'm so grateful for you guys because I usually don't wake up at four thirty. I did that so we could have a little extra time, which we had technical difficulties. Rude. But um, what I usually do every morning, or I try to every morning during the week, is I wake up early. I have my clothes set out the night before, and I get dressed real quick, and I go outside and walk around. I either go to a park or I walk around my neighborhood. And I either, sometimes I meet with a friend, sometimes I just listen to an audiobook, and it's so relaxing for me, and I feel so, like, jazzed for the rest of my day when I do that. However, I can understand how it is not everyone's cup of tea, these morning walks, because when we say morning, I mean, like, you know, crack of dawn morning. No, so. there's no crack of dawn. It was dark. <laughs> okay, it was dark. Usually by the time I get home, the sun is coming up. And this was in like the summer. Imagine if we did it in the winter. Oh my god! We would we would even see the slightest hint of sunrise by the time we were done. I brought a headlight and it so. blinded everybody. It was really really helpful though, just like make sure we weren't like stepping on anything. And they were really Chris was really worried about cougars, and there was no good cougars coming to get us. Uh, it's not like out of the realm of possibility. No, it's not out of the realm of possibility. But I, anyway, I would rate it five out of ten. Okay, five out of ten. Perfect score for walking, z- zero negative score for for early in the morning. So it rounds to it. Yeah, it rounds to, to a, a five, five to ten. I'm gonna give it. I mm, mm, two point seven five. Oh lord! Very specific. It I need to see was, the rubric. Okay, it was so early that literally when I was driving to the place, I kept seeing cars and thinking. 
why are you awake? Why are you awake? Why are you awake? Like, I can't. It just evoked more anger in me than anything else. But I liked the walking part. So that's the 2.75. Well, I'm going to actually give it a 9 out of 10. Because I do love my walking. But it is not always the easiest thing to want to do. Though I feel really, really fantastic for the rest of my day when I've had a really wonderful kind of morning session of walking with a friend or to myself you know i just it just yeah but it's not the easiest thing to do what time do you go to bed to get up that early like 10 o'clock toledo remember when we were just talking about work-life balance you need to go to sleep that's part of your problem yeah i need to go to sleep but i'm really really thankful that you guys went with me and you You at least tried it once and maybe one day Maybe one day we'll do a jaunty 10 a.m. walk. What? Yeah, let's. I'm I'm all game for that. <laughs> okay. But that's you know part of what we do on this podcast. We're trying things that other people do for self care and see what kind of effect they have. Some you know maybe we'll all find new things that work for us. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, listeners, if you have any suggestions for self care segments that we should try. Send them to us. Uh, something you do that that uh, you want us to try that maybe none of us are into, but we'll give it a shot. We will Who give knows? it a shot. Um, but anyway, thank you all for listening. And uh, beyond the self-care segments, we would like to hear from you on show ideas, uh, comments, questions, anything you might have to say to us. Please uh, follow us on our various social media accounts. Um, and if you have any ideas for future episodes, let us know. And until next time, keep on surviving. Dead. Champagne in him.